everyone. Welcome to this episode of Steam of the Classroom. It's been a little while since my last episode, um, so I have a lot of things to tell you about. And today's guest is my husband, the one and only Mitch Cameron. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> um, I don't know if you regularly, regularly listen to my podcast, Mitch. Yes. You do? Yes, I do. Well, then you know that I've talked about you. I do. I am aware of that. <laughs> so now that people get to meet you. Um, so yeah, we're going to tell you about some of the cool things that have happened. And, um, and then we'll also talk about strategy games and Magic the Gathering and some Pokemon, um, which is um, my husband's specialty. <laughs> what a terrible specialty. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great specialty. Um, so anyway, um, a big question that everyone has been asking me has been, um, what was virtual steam night like? Um, so I wanted to share with you, um, kind of what that entailed and leading up to it and how it was received. Um, and then, I don't know, should we tell them now my big announcement? Probably. Because you've mentioned it already, so I feel I feel like it's rude to not tell them. <laughs> um, well, uh, in October, I was awarded Massachusetts STEM Teacher of the Year, uh, which is super exciting. Um, it's been such an honor having that um, award, and um, it's been very exciting. Um, and my school received $5,000 for the STEAM Lab, um, so I can't wait to put that to good use. Um, and I have some great ideas on what I think I'm going to use it for, um, and, and hopefully some collaborations with some of the other teachers in my school. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited about that. Um, I really, I, I was a finalist last year. Um, and they said it typically doesn't, um, happen back to back where a, a finalist wins, um, the following year. Um, so it was really surprising. I really didn't think it was going to be me. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a great honor. So shout out to, um, anyone that was on the committee that chose me and a big thank you to them. Um, yeah. So anyway, let's get into steam night. Um, I think I probably planned it for five to six months. I started planning it in the summer. Um, and I wanted to combine that feeling of steam night that we had last year when we were in person um, and having the students feel like they are participating in it. So it took me a while to try and figure out what I wanted to do for steam night. And when I had recorded the podcast with Renee, when we talked about remote teaching for STEAM and what that could look like with boxes, I kind of had like an aha moment after speaking with her um, or probably during speaking with her. I think I wrote it down on a piece of paper <laughs> um, about STEAM I kind of doing the same thing where I would have materials for families to pick up and they could do the activities while they were at home watching. So, um, and you are a great person to bounce ideas off of my one and only <laughs> <laughs> husband. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, so basically I, I reached out to a whole bunch of local 
organizations and businesses. Um, I reached out to everyone that participated last year and said, hey, are you willing to make a video that's five minutes or less? So not a huge commitment um, from anyone because I didn't want people to feel like they needed to send something in that was very long because um, that can be stressful and people get nervous. So I, I kept it to five minutes or less. Um, and basically just asked for them to record a little bit about what they do in their job and how it relates to STEAM and then um, had an activity for families to do that had to do with some part of the career at home. So for example, um, we had a merchant marine and he talked about all the different aspects of STEM and STEAM while on this ship um, and he had some really cool video um, of waves and, and the ship going through the ocean and then um, his activity was for students and their families at home to make tinfoil boats to float um, on the water with like putting pennies in them. Um, who else? Who was your favorite out of everyone? Do you remember? I mean I've got to say Battlegrounds <laughs> but I, I think we were kind of we were leading into that anyway. Yeah. Um, Battlegrounds is my favorite because that's probably one of my favorite stores to begin with, and I think the the quality of what they produced for you was pretty solid. Oh yeah. Um, considering they were a relatively late um, addition to the lineup there. Yeah, um, it was your idea to invite um, Battlegrounds Games and Hobbies um, in Abington, Massachusetts, um, and they were so awesome. When I asked them, they immediately were like, "Yes, we absolutely want to do this," and they made this awesome video showing all different types of strategy games and how they relate to STEM. Um, and they edited it so nice with music and um, title sequences and everything. I was blown away. Um, and then we ended up um, asking, um, we ended up purchasing some um, gift cards to give away because um, we had won a grant. Um, so the grant helped to pay for all of the supplies and then some of the giveaways. Um, so their store was one of the giveaways, which was very sought after. I think it might have been either the top or the second highest giveaway that people entered. Um, we had four different giveaways and um, basically throughout Steam Night, I set a secret code and then you could enter the secret code and then your um, information um, to kind of enter into the raffle. We used Google Forms for that. I say we, but it really, it was me. <laughs> it was me that put it all together um, with the help of East Bridgewater Community Access Media. So if you do not know the people in your town who are the um the cams the community access media people please reach out to them they're such an amazing resource when i was originally thinking of steam night i thought how am i supposed to take all these videos and then somehow get them out to the public and i immediately thought of my friends at ev cam especially ann kerrigan um, and she put she ended up um editing all the videos together with awesome graphics and um and she put titles and different information throughout um, like whenever i said the secret code the secret code would pop up on the screen she had qr codes in there for me um, to bring everyone to my website so that they could easily enter the giveaways and then also see all of the presenter information and how to reach out to them if people wanted to um, so yeah it turned into a really awesome production 
It was about an hour and a half, and it premiered on the East Bridgewater um, Community Access Media TV channels and also was available through them on demand, and then they also put it up on YouTube. So there was many different ways that families could access the program, and um, and they didn't necessarily have to be at their TV um, on the night of um because we had it in so many different areas, people were able to hop on whenever it worked best for them. And it just so happened that we premiered it um, right before Thanksgiving, the week before. Um, so it was great timing because a lot of families um, had sent me emails and reached out and said, hey, like we're gonna do it over Thanksgiving um, because we have the time and we'll be all together. So that was great timing on our part. Um, and I'm just, Super grateful for the help that EBCAM provided me with putting all the videos together. But who else do I have? I had um, a local coffee shop, Restoration Coffee. We had a Christmas tree farm, Mistletoe Acres Christmas Tree. They talked about all the pH in the soil, which is super cool. Um, we had Gillette Stadium, and they talked about um, the science of like helmets and, um, and keeping the players safe. So the Hall of Fame over um, at Gillette did that. Um, who else did we have? Is there a police officer? Yeah, we had yeah we had the local authorities. We had the um, police officer, the fire department. Um, we also had the local library. Um, um, I made a bunch of videos. Um, I had some parents ask if they could make some. I had students enter and make their own videos too. Um, I think maybe I'll link my website um, onto or like that. I'll I'll link the actual production, the YouTube. Um, onto the episode notes so people can check it out if they want to. Um, yeah, and then I, so every single person made an activity or I helped them um, come up with an activity. And then I put um, all of the different supplies with the help of some NHS volunteers, some juniors and seniors in high school. Um, and we put all of the supplies in bags and the bags had QR codes on it so people could easily access all of the information they needed. And, um, and then families came and picked up um, kind of like, um, I don't know, like a drive-through pickup where they came, they said their name and we tossed the bag in their car and they drove off and um and participated in steam night so um overall we made about 500 to 600 bags um i kind of lost count at the end there but uh yeah it was really awesome so if anyone has any questions um feel free to reach out and if you're thinking about doing something similar honestly um i really think people are willing to help out and all you have to do is ask and it's kind of nerve-wracking asking, going around and asking all of the, all of the different um, you know, businesses around town and sending those emails. But really, if you don't ask, then you have no idea what they're going to say. So I was really surprised with a bunch of the people that answered yes um, and super, um, super excited that they were willing to send videos. Oh, we also had um, uh, the... WCVB meteorologists, they sent a really cool video. Matt Shearer, who is the um, WBZ reporter, um, formerly on AMP Radio um, out of Boston, um, he made a video that was really awesome. I loved his video. Matt's great. I know, he was so fun. He was so enthusiastic, and so many people sent me messages saying like how excited um, they were just listening to him. And, I mean, props to him. He showed my book in his video. So, I mean... 
I think I think he wins gold <laughs> for best video ever. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was a it was a good time, and um, it was well worth all of the um, effort, time, and effort that it took. And I also am just happy that it's done and over with, because <laughs> it was a lot of work. It was like a kind of a full time job on top of my job, um, especially at the end there, putting all the bags together. So, um, yeah, it, again, if you have any questions, if you're thinking about doing something similar, feel free to reach out. Um, mostly you can find me on Twitter. I'll say my Twitter handle at the end again, but if you go to at steam up the CLSRM, um, I'm usually pretty responsive though. Lately I've been taking a little bit of a social media break, but anyway, um, do you want to get into battlegrounds and strategy games? Yep. All right. So. We've been thinking about recording this podcast for a very long time together, so very honored that you're finally here. <laughs> it was a long trip. I'm glad I made it, though. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's been really hard getting our schedules together, you know, because we live together and... Our children don't sleep. <laughs> our children don't sleep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's been happening lately, if anyone um, can relate. Um, I don't know if we'll ever get sufficient sleep ever again but anyway side note um so a big popular thing in our house is pokemon and since quarantine since the spring when we when everything shut down i've become like really into pokemon go and i'm kind of sad that i didn't do pokemon go like when it first came out because i'm kind of addicted to it at this point and um and I'm kind of sad that I only just recently hopped on that bandwagon. Yeah, I, it's not that bad. The entertainment value of the game has gone way, way up recently. So it I don't know that you would have stayed with it quite the same way if you'd done it like day one. I mean, most people picked up the game. It was a novelty for a week and then they dumped it. So. Oh, well, I'm like months in on this. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, going through all the Pokestops and like finding all the fun Pokemon is just a blast. And our kids are super into it. Um, they don't know how to play the game quite yet because they're little, but um, we do watch Pokemon and we have our little Pokemon figurines at home where we have our little battles and everything. But there's some STEM and steam that's behind Pokemon and, and the cards. What do you think? So, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. Specifically, the, the there's a lot of science that goes into it. Most of it has to make logical sense. Um, you And when you're working with kids and you're using them as a tool outside of the actual game or something like that, if you're bringing it into the classroom, you're bringing it into an educational setting, obviously you're going to lean into that a little bit. Um, but on the science side of things, you, you get to talk about these really obvious traits that would define an animal or something. So you have all of this material that you get to expand upon when you're working with the kids. You can talk about biomes, you can talk about individual traits, you can talk about actual evolution, the way that you can tie it in and make something that is already um, like an addicting part of their life come into the classroom with them is pretty powerful and it makes it click really quickly for them. Yeah, I had loaded up some um, 
lessons for the rest of the year up onto Google Classroom, and one of them had to do, or one of the units had to do with Pokemon, and that was um, one of the last units for the end of the year. And the students already were asking, like, when are we doing the Pokemon one? We saw that. We saw that you put it up there. <laughs> Don't hide this from us. We know it's out there. Um, and they were just already eagerly wanting to do Pokemon. Yeah, I mean, they're I mean they're always excited about it. I don't know that anyone has ever been to a school where Pokemon cards weren't at some point in time banned from school. <laughs> yeah, um, they can I get mean, addicting. <laughs> it's, it's been a problem for the past 20 years, so I don't think it's going away anytime in the near future. Um, but they have so many resources available and the kids are just so interested in it. It's such a it's such a powerful tool um, because of their interest in it already. And it's it is pretty awesome because it's something that really goes across many generations. It's not just a little kid thing. Like we're having a blast doing Pokemon Go, and you have like the Pokemon Switch games and like all that kind of stuff as an adult. Oh yeah, I'm thirty, and I think <laughs> I'm I might be as excited as our children when they get new toys and stuff um i mean i've been playing the video games for over 20 years the card game kind of fizzled at some point because i was six or seven and i never learned how to actually play um so we did the whole trading thing but never really got into that as much but like i said it's been part of my life for over 20 years so you know, it's that's we're clearly not the only family where that is a thing because it is the you know highest grossing media franchise of all time, um, which is I mean that's a lot of money. So they're doing something right. Yeah, and it, it's it's a nice I I don't know how to put it. It's not like a violent video game or anything like it. It can you can really steer it to be geared towards any age, depending on, like, what aspect of it that you're using. Absolutely. And even even recently, I mean, the, the whole concept of the game and stuff always had something to do with fighting. Um, but they always did a good job of watering that down. It never got so violent that you felt, like, you know, stressed or you felt lost or anything like that with any of the characters. So that was never a huge issue. But later on in the series and the games and the shows and stuff they introduce other aspects of living with these animals and stuff these creatures and performing and doing other kinds of contests and the different kinds of you know cooking and the utility that they have or would have in a world where they exist is explained and explored in a way that is um a lot more than like the you know 16-bit running around on a game boy color ever did um but it, it also gives you a little bit more to lean on if you're using it in any other respect too so you can you can lean into a beauty contest type of thing and you're not just absolutely making up random stuff you're not going to be getting a call from the pokemon company like the next morning um with a cease and desist or order or something well, like that I mean, so you never know. <laughs> yeah it's true i guess you never know the guy just lifted the ban on the abra card like or cadaver card like a week ago so <laughs> yeah that's a thing but yeah you shouldn't have to worry about the pokemon company they're usually pretty good about stuff like that yeah and i just i mean i like the part of it where you can kind of intertwine it into other topics like what you said about biome and the habitats and kind of learning to care for other um, living creatures um, and I mean there's really there's a Pokemon for everyone 
There's so many different types of Pokemon. You probably, if you spend some time looking through them all, you probably can find one. And why not write an essay about it? (laughs) Why this Pokemon is the perfect Pokemon for you. Yeah. Of these nine hundred and whatever Pokemon, which one is your spirit animal and why? <laughs> Perfect uh, research project. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, even on what is is X and Y that we're watching on Hulu right now with the kids? Yeah. 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 On that one, they have the character which I can't remember his name, but he always says, "Science is awesome," and I'm always like, "Yes," because it's little things like that that kids hear, and then they're like, "Oh wait, all right." cool and um that character is always building things and he's very um centered around stem and always makes me happy when he's highlighted in his little projects which don't always work out (laughs) i think that's my favorite part is that 100 percent of the time his invention or his like whatever it is that he's working on that somebody says science is great it fails 100 percent of the time so it it becomes this thing where that's the depth that they've been adding over the years. It's okay to fail. It's it's cool. People will still be impressed. One, two, you know, you learn from it. Figure out how to overcome the problem and move on. You know, the kid never has a meltdown or anything like that. It's generally a pretty wholesome approach to teaching that idea that failure is an okay thing. And he always tries again and still loves science. Yes. And that's, I mean, that's... That's the moral of the story here. Gotta love science. <laughs> and stay 10 years old forever. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Is Ash, he's just perpetually 10? Yeah, something yeah. like that. 10, 12. But yeah, he's been 10 or 12 for the past 20 years. So yeah. he's really rocking it right now. Good for him. Living his best life. <laughs> um, so let's let's talk more strategy games. Let's talk Magic the Gathering. So I have to tell everyone, I do not know how to play Magic the Gathering. However, I did say to Mitch that I want to learn. So this is our first step. Might as well record the pod about it. It's actually the only reason I uh, agreed to do this today. Really? Yeah, she doesn't know that. Oh. Um, I'm kidding. Absolutely kidding. But... Um, it's something I have been trying to get her interested in for a long time. And while I, I don't know that you're going to love the like the true depth of the game, um, I think having an understanding of how it works can be really useful in a lot of other ways, um, You know, even if you just decide to use it as a tool later on. I'm excited for it. Because you, I mean, you love it so much, and we have possibly three million cards, so might as well jump it- on that. It money probably <laughs> money isn't making three million. Not money making. Um, money. Uh, money pit. Money pit. Money pit. <laughs> um, yeah. So, how would magic be used for the classroom or in a STEM, STEAM setting? What so, a game like Magic. I mean, one thing that you do have to remember, and I would obviously preface any teacher, educator, or professional who is working with children, review your material first. Uh, even with some of the old Pokemon stuff, you probably don't want to include the things about uh, sneaking into children's rooms and devouring their nightmares. What, what? Oh, those are things. Those are things that existed in, like, the... Uh, even some of the newer Pokemon, like, flavor text is horrifying. Great stuff, but truly bone-chilling. Um, magic takes it a step further. There's like a natural dark element to it. I probably wouldn't use the majority of magic cards with younger elementary age kids. Um, the, 
the art, the flavor text, that type of stuff might be a little over their head. What's flavor text? Um, it's just, it's little bits and pieces of the overarching story that oh. they slam onto a card. Um, okay. But, so some of that gets a little bit, um, a little bit edgy. We'll call it that. All right. But you might be scaring people away from using it now. Right. So that the the only thing is just be be mindful of what you're using um other than that the utility that you can get from a single card is pretty enormous there are wait so back to what you just said about yeah. um not being sure if there were like, do the cards like are some of them just cards that you can just pull out that you're like this isn't probably elementary appropriate oh yeah absolutely i mean there's like nine million goblins only one of them is gonna mention like you know eating children oh, or God. does it say it right on the card yeah I mean, oh, they're not okay. they're not surprises they're not hidden you would have to okay. be pretty naive to kind of miss them um you know so you can just vet the, the cards first absolutely. and look through them and then just pull the ones that you want to use right what i'm recommending okay. is that you don't crack into a pack in front of a bunch of nine-year-olds <laughs> and just pass them around like the everyone room. this is the first time i've yeah. ever done magic here's bloodthirster or something like that <laughs> you know um Though that's all I was really saying is okay. that that you don't want to go that route. Um, if you take a look at them, it'll take you four seconds to go through them and decide what you can and can't use, <laughs> depending on the age group. Um, I mean, I, I'd start with the the art, the the art side of things. If nothing else, the enormous variety of card art that we've seen in the 20 whatever years that magic cards have been in circulation since alpha the amount of artists um from you know a huge range of fantasy and science fiction um that have worked on cards and contributed and just being able to look at and appreciate their styles appreciate the evolution over time is great but one of the really popular things to do right now is basically completing the picture so you take the card and inside the middle of the card there's a small picture your job would then be to extend that picture so that the entire card is covered with a single piece of art that makes sense and is a continuation of the original picture Ooh! so it's it's really cool it's become kind of a thing um in magic and pokemon both sets of cards can do it. Most artists that are working on those cards, if you had like a random, um, like, I don't know, uh, chaos, uh, time spiral or something like that, that you wanted them to work on, they could probably replicate it instead of like uh, ripping up your, your old card that's actually worth money. So you can go that route. But if you're working with kids, it means that you have you can spend four bucks and you have 15 pieces of, you know, cardboard that these kids can work on and each one is going to be unique and each one is going to depict a different kind of art style. It's going to require a different set of skills. And then, you know, if you go that route, you can obviously keep cracking packs and then just, um, you know, sell anything that's worth value, has any value to it and start paying for it that way. Keep in mind, it's basically gambling, so don't try to do that. What but. now? <laughs> okay, hold on. So, are there tools? Are some of the cards tools in Magic? Yes. So, are they school appropriate for for any of the ages? 
Yeah, yeah. So could you even have like a STEM project where they write about the tool and then maybe replicated it or made a tool that could go along with that, with that character or with the actual tool or something like that? Could that be kind of like a STEM project? Absolutely. Um, One of the big things is that there is an overarching story through all of magic since the beginning to the end. So you can use that to supplement anything. Same thing as the, the Pokemon stuff. If you work that in, you can have you can have your literacy your your, your literature or literacy base so that there's they're interacting with something on that level. They have to make the connection from that to what the tool is or the person is or the problem at hand is, and they have to make they would have to make something that functions under that set of rules. May not necessarily be the set of rules that exist in our world. But in a world where, I don't know, there's angels all over the place or there's, I don't know, giant tentacle monsters <laughs> um, that, you know, devour entire planes of existence and stuff like that. So you have, you, they would have to work inside the confines of that world to bring that project to life. That sounds really fun. And also, I mean, it just kind of screams like camp. Oh, yeah. Me. Like it sounds so campy. Yeah. Like something that you would do over the summer. Um and like build it out for it to be like a whole week's worth of awesome. Yeah, there's there's a lot that you can do with it. I mean, there the stuff that Wizards provides themselves is huge. They've got the whole story, they've got all the cards and everything like that and how they interact with the story. Um, but they've got books, they've got other material out there, so if you wanted to use that, you could easily build yourself, you know, a full camp that functions and has a huge range of skills people are working on just the basic math required for the game is it can get overwhelming depending on what kind of game you're playing so can you do a um like can you use basic math for one of the styles of the game absolutely and it doesn't necessarily like when i'm talking about the game I'm talking about the actual play by the rules. Wizards of the Coast is signed off on this. It could be played in a sanctioned place mm-hmm. type of game. The I used a version teaching our son basic math where it was, um, you know, it, it's just counting. He's counting resources that he has and using them to pay for something that he wants out. It doesn't have to do with any of the hit points or any of that kind of stuff. It's been reduced to its absolute core level. Every turn you get to do, you get to play one land, one mana card, and you can spend that mana to pay for anything as long as you have enough to pay for it. So that might also just be a good way to start introducing magic. Yes, because it's the core concept behind the game. It's basically, if you were going to reduce it down, I think, to the first couple of rules that you would teach anybody... In any circumstance, is that, how you're teach me? that is exactly how I'm going to teach you. I'm going to use the decks that I taught our three-year-old to play with <laughs> to teach you how to play the game. All right. um, I'm fine with that. You got to start somewhere. Absolutely, it's if you have no experience with the type of game, it can be super overwhelming. But if you take it step by step and learn what each of the things that make up the core set of rules are, it becomes far more manageable. And that's the first thing. Every turn. You basically, you get your resource. If you can, you make more of your resources, and then you pay for things. Okay. That's the core idea behind the game. And then, you know, you want to make your things 
fancier and better or stronger than everybody else's and use it to beat them. I mean, that sounds fun. It also is kind of giving me, like, it's making me picture Zelda. I don't know why. Like, when you keep talking about resources and everything, it's it's making me think of Breath of the Wild and running around and finding all the resources and then cooking them all together into different things. It's, I mean, that that is the concept. And that's, resource management has become this huge thing in RPGs and that style of game, too. And, I, I mean, I've played very, very little, but I think Minecraft is probably... I know people absolutely hate it, but I think... No, um, this, I mean, this crowd... This crowd probably loves it, but yeah. I know that there are some parents that think that oh, their kids like, ah. are... Yeah, they're, you know, oh, my kid's upstairs, you know, rotting their eyes out, or something <laughs> like that, playing no. video games all day. But I, I truly think that the... A lot of the lessons that kids will get from games that teach you how to do things that directly parallel real life skills are going to be uh, there isn't a comparison for how valuable that is yeah there. side note side note i've done some choice boards um especially last year in the spring everything shut down and then this year for massachusetts stem week i did um just optional choice boards for the kids and one of them was minecraft and they had um for the stem week it was build a secret room in minecraft and um, I had parents that were like, um, my kid's playing Minecraft and they said, you said that it was, um, okay. <laughs> and I was like, yep, it's on our choice board. And, and I would be like, check out, check to see what they're doing. Look, look to see what they're building. You know, they're, they're actually being really resourceful. They're really thinking it through and they're being smart about it. Check, you know, check out the video games that they're playing. And, and, Play with them. Yeah. Don't be afraid to play the stuff with them. There isn't anything too childish or whatever for any person out there. It depends on how you look at everything. There's, a, in most video games at this point, there is some ability to teach a real life skill. Yeah. It's not necessarily the way they all go. You know, I, I can't imagine that there's a lot of real deep learning in God of War but something like Terraria, something like Minecraft, those types of games have skill that you have to use planning and you have to have some level of foresight, knowledge that you've built about the world and the physics of how it all works. It's a lot of skills that if you can translate them directly to the real world, you've done a great job preparing yourself for an adulthood that I don't think a lot of other things have prepared you for. <laughs> Like back to Zelda, you can run around and find all of these different uh, things that are lying on the ground. <laughs> then just go to a campsite, throw them all together, and look at that, you have a potion. That's real life, right? <laughs> that is exactly how real life works. <laughs> <laughs> no, but even, because um, when I first started playing Breath of the Wild, I was like, what do you mean I have to like be strategic? I can't just run around and grab things and everything will be fine. Well, that's because you, you would smash all of your weapons on a tree and then like one of like a bat would basically come out of the woods and be like, hey, what's up? I'm going to eat all your hearts and would do exactly that. And you'd get super frustrated and ask me to kill a bat for you. So Hey, you know what? That was week one. I got better. I got better. I got pretty good. You did. But I didn't realize 
that there is a lot more strategy behind it. Yeah. Because you would be, you would look at something and say, oh yeah, I can't remember what those little hidden things that, that pop up that have the leaf in front of their face. Oh, the Koroks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, like you'd look at something and be like, oh yeah, no, there's like something there. And I, and I would look at it and be like, how do you even know? And you'd say, oh no, it's, you know, it's all part of the strategy. You have to know what to look for. You have to, you know, know what steps to take in order to find things. And right. I don't know. There's a reason that a game designer put four boulders really close together and a fifth one kind of close, but not really. And there's a dent in the ground. You, part of that is the knowledge that you would have from previous games. It might be a previous Zelda game or whatever that is, but you have to have some experience in that world to really understand, oh, these, these puzzles, these, um, you know, tricks or hidden things in the world around me. I would have blown straight past and basically gone in a straight line if I hadn't known to start looking for those types of things. Yeah, which, um, which, I mean, it gave me, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I just blanked. It made me, like, more appreciative of video games. Because I've never been, like, someone that spent a lot of time doing video games at home, like, growing up. Um, it was mostly my brother, but even him, he wasn't like super, super into it. We had like <laughs> Nintendo 64, like, um, what do you call those? Um, uh, the punch buggies. What are those things called? Volkswagen Beetle, like racing. <laughs> like, um, I don't even know, like Grand Theft Auto. So like not like, not the same type of video games that you grew up with. So I never really paid much attention to them until I met you and then started teaching and started realizing that there's just a lot more value in them than I would have ever known. Yeah. And I don't want to really degrade the, 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 the skill or the value of games. Like I'm not, I'm not really big into the first person shooter games, um, particularly like the ones that are really popular right now, Fortnite and all those ones not my particular cup of tea. Um, I've played them in the past and things like that, and there probably won't ever be one that compares to GoldenEye um, <laughs> or Perfect Dark, whichever side of the line you're going to fall on. GoldenEye, I would just go and hide. Yeah. We had that one. We rented it from the library a few times, yeah. and then my brother finally like wore down my parents. We played the worst game <laughs> mode. The, game, the only game mode we ever played was Man with the Golden Gun, <laughs> and everyone was always odd jobs, so nobody could aim... <laughs> It was like one-shot kills. The whole game was just a mess. I would just run and hide. Um, <laughs> so we didn't really play it very well or correctly, but we had a lot of fun with it. But that's the thing. Even those types of games have value. It might not yeah. be as much as your, you know, your big puzzle games like your Zeldas or your resource games like your... Minecraft, Terraria, or even something like Animal Crossing. Love Animal Crossing. So, but but you know the 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 knowledge of the game that you have to build, the reflexes, and all of those types of things. There is still some value to those types of things, especially when you have to remember that the world that we currently live in is headed towards a place where those types of skills are probably going to be more valuable. Being able to exist where you you can maneuver in an online environment more okay. easily than the average person like that's the that is a, a very core concept of any of those types of games 
but it's still a translatable skill. Okay, not great. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's not great. It's not as good as you know being able to solve in-depth puzzles that take you ten hours, but it's not nothing either. Yeah, I mean, and there's also value in the games that you can play together. Yeah. And even just like my after-school club last year, um, it was Switch Club, so I had a bunch of different Switch games. One of the most popular ones was um, Mario Kart. Yeah. And it's just the kids having fun together playing. And there was a lot of value in that because they don't have the opportunities to just kind of like be together and just have fun, um, you know, in a setting like a school setting like yeah. when else besides um switch club would they be hanging out cheering each other on playing mario kart in school <laughs> probably not probably not um something that happens in the every every regular classroom no i mean i can think of like two times in all the school that we ever played video games at school and it was like after ap tests or something like that when you were in the building but you didn't have to go to class anymore so you know, those aren't things that you would normally see in a classroom. and But they, I mean, they build camaraderie. Yeah. It was fun. And especially right now, especially where there's such a, a huge damper on the human connection piece. Mm. Like, a, a lot of older people, even our age and stuff, who never really connected with the, like, the online playing of video games like maybe that isn't your thing but that's a huge social output yeah um for a lot of a lot of people um you know whether they're kids or adults or whatever so that's pretty valuable being able to have that type of interaction with somebody who could be playing in a different country yeah um you know or just I, down the street yeah you know it could be it could be five guys in your living room or it can be you know three dudes in Korea who are just carrying me through um, some Monster Hunter because I am just not good at that game. But even just like Animal Crossing, when that came out, it was right in the middle of the spring shutdown. And I can't tell you how many kids shared their code or how many teachers shared their code with their um, students in just trying to like just see each other in the game because yeah. you couldn't see each other in, in real life. Right. I mean, it's wholesome. It's yeah. fun. There's that that particular game has an enormous amount of um, like resource management built yeah. into it. But it's good times. Any other video games you want to talk about, or any games, strategy games, tabletop games, anything else? I th nothing in particular. Honestly, know your resources. I guess is the best thing. Um, look into the things that you're interested in because the free stuff or the super cheap stuff is exactly that you know magic is considered a very expensive game to get into but the reality is you can buy a thousand cards online for ten dollars but it's also a lot it's also um found like cards like magic cards magic the gathering cards pokemon cards they're found a lot of times at yard sales right right and people are just wanting to get rid of them just right. kind of like legos once your kids grow up they're like ah, i can't get these in there i gotta get these out of the attic now like yeah you know they they want to kind of send them on to the next generation or whatever so check out like tag sales yard sales yeah even even every Donations? once in a while places like um like uh a savers depending on i guess where you are in the country 
um, basically your your thrift store type of mm -hmm. places. They'll probably be a little bit more expensive there if they have any knowledge of how expensive the stuff is. But most of the things that would you would imagine have a high um, price tag on them, if you do your research and you keep in mind that you're not doing it at a competitive level, you're not doing it at you know, you're not making figurines for a master class or of people playing Warhammer or something. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. You know, those types of things, they don't matter as much. You can get the, the, the 80 cent plastic figurines if you're doing figurine painting for this world build out. You can do, you know, you can do one cent cards and you can still draw or paint on every single one of them and nobody is going to feel like, oh, this was a one cent card. Pshaw, like get out of here. <laughs> um, but also just putting it out there. Like I said about yard sales, people wanting to just get rid of stuff. There's probably parents or people in your community or people in your family that are just itching to clean out the attic and, and get rid of like some of that kind of stuff. Put it out there. Send an email. Tweet it out. Um, you know, put it out there on your teacher page or whatever, whatever, um, you know, it is that you reach um, families and parents and just say, hey, does anyone have anything that they'd be willing to donate? And I bet there are plenty of people. I still have people emailing me saying hi um we have three million legos um that we'd like to get rid of my kids are in their 40s and <laughs> like, and the legos are still in good condition because they they i mean they they stay pretty well yeah um it, also find your local game store yeah um, like battlegrounds in abington massachusetts yep battlegrounds is ours we do have a couple other ones around here um, some have closed um, over the years and stuff. Battlegrounds is phenomenal. They carry tons of stuff outside of the games that we've talked about today. Yeah. Um, but Was the game that you were talking about that just a minute ago the one that I was like, what is this game? When we were in the store and they had all of the big, huge tables and all of like the paint. Yes, that's Warhammer. Warhammer, Warhammer. is, I mean, I am... I am a gigantic nerd. Like there, there should be no illusion about that <laughs> to the people listening to this. It is, it's breathtaking. Um, yes, baby, it is. But anyone who plays Warhammer, I, I, I can't wrap my head around it. The complexity of that game is on another level it's just so far be i played dungeons and dragons i've played magic i've played some pokemon now i've done all of that type of stuff in like the video game world and warhammer it's just just the detail that these people put into creating this army to then in some cases dump it like a month later it is wow it's mind-shattering. If you are listening and you play Warhammer and would like to come on the podcast, we would love to pick your brain. I'll have Mitch come back. I'll have to, you know, fly him back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big commute. <laughs> yeah, but your local game store is a great resource. A lot of these companies, they want two things. They want you to come to their store and they want to take the products that will make them money and give them to people who will eventually spend their own money on it. So, for instance, Wizards of the Coast does a bunch of, um, like, promo stuff. 
Wizards of the Coast. Wizards of the Coast is the company that does magic. They they Um, make Magic the Gathering, and they also make Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. So their nerd portfolio is huge. Yes. And both of those things have free resources online. Um, D&D has a lot more, um, let's call it questionable material, um, in that it may not necessarily be all um neat and tidy on the like copyright law side of things but it's all out there so you don't need to go buy a monster manual or a player's guide or something oh, like that um you don't have to spend that 30 dollars or 40 dollars on a book and then all the sheets and all the other stuff you can get all of that stuff online for free there's probably also a lot of youtube videos out there there are an enormous amount of youtube videos enormous amount of podcasts and there's um since even before the pandemic there have been electronic ways to play connect with groups of people Anywhere in the world. That's fun. Any level of gameplay. Um, they also do the same thing with Magic, where they have a lot of free products that they want to put out. They're beginner stuff. There's no real value to it. But again, if you're using it for an educational setting, that doesn't matter. You mean value like you can... You know, yeah, you can't resell it. Yeah, but, but there's value. Right, the value is that you get to take that and you get to turn it into whatever you're actually going to be using it yes. for. If it's a Magic club where kids are playing Magic, okay... It probably won't go quite as far as if you need some free cards to do, um, you know, a, a project on basically anything else that uses the card for any other function. Cool. Um, so knowing what kinds of things you can get for free makes using all of these types of things more manageable. Yeah. Um, you know, even the way that you buy stuff. I did lessons for my capstone pretty recently. Yeah, your and, masters. Yep. Um, I, I used magic cards for part of it. I you And know, that was in a sub-separate special education classroom. Right. So that's, I mean, they, did I have to use them? Absolutely not. Did they really add a lot to the lesson? Uh, not this particular one, no. Um, but the kids thought that they thought they were super cool and catching their attention for four seconds is uh, a huge success. Mm-hmm. So that was the real intention behind using something that had that much Um, you know, art, color, everything else on it. And then I just glued some little things on there to change what I needed to. Yeah, but also you use the dice. The dice, which are... We haven't talked about the dice. Right. I mean, it's a D20. There's a couple different kinds. D20 meaning there's 20 sides? 20 sides. Um, There's spin down and then there's a regular D20. A D20 will roll, is supposed to roll randomly. And a spin down is supposed to be so that you can use it as a life counter. So it's more linear for depending on what you're trying to use it for um sometimes that stuff will matter other times it won't but we use them um i color coded them so that the kids had dice that were the same color as the cards that they had and they got to roll the dice when they were using the cards and stuff and it all kind of worked together and i mean the cards that i used couldn't i couldn't possibly sell them for more than a penny the dice that I that we used, I got when purchasing other items. I have so many of them that I could fill a bathtub with them at this point. Then how come you asked for more for Christmas? Because they're very specific. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Somebody on this podcast will get it. They're like, yeah, I totally get why you asked for more dice. <laughs> you just said you could fill a bathtub, but it's not the right kind of bathtub. So. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Um, but I mean, the dice alone could be used in a classroom setting. Oh yeah. And I mean, a standard like D and D set has, 
I can't even, I don't even know the actual number of dice in it, but there's a six-sided dice, there's a 20-sided dice, there's an eight, a 10, a six, and a three, I think. That's fun. Um, so they're, they have a lot of different kinds available, so even if you're trying to find those resources and maybe you don't want to go online and buy, you know, a thousand plastic dice for you know $80 or whatever it is go to your local game store and see some of them have baskets filled with them and they will literally sell them to you for a penny especially if you say you're a teacher yes um it goes a long way letting them know that you will be getting children into the games that make them money yeah. will be um a huge factor for them so and i mean it's great because there's like what we said tying it all together strategy there's a lot of educational value you know, um, and you might even have some parents that play. Yeah. You know. I mean, it's also, I I was on the receiving end of this, but I have to imagine that as a 12-year-old, when you destroy a 30-year-old man at a game <laughs> um, in a store filled with other 30-year-old men, it must feel really good. So, it's like... right, dear. I still love you. That's good, because he beat me twice. <laughs> um, but... You know, that that's... He had great strategy. He did. And he did. great cards. Yeah, real good luck that night. <laughs> and also, um, like, clearly knew how to play the game. It wasn't like playing against a child. And I think that's part of it is that, you know, it... You could have... I could have been playing a child and I could have treated him like a child. But I didn't have to because he, he knew what he was doing. He came to participate and he was playing on a level with adults. That's awesome. And it's good not for that, that kid. It's not that hard. It really isn't. You have to know what you're doing, but you can... It has no age restriction. You can share cards inside of a family or inside of a classroom and still have a totally functional set of, you know, cards, so... All right, so we'll we'll circle back in a few months after you've taught me how to play Magic and when I dominate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I'm competitive. You are. You are. But I did just build my best deck ever. Oh, um, right. Yeah. Well. For anybody who's interested, we play exclusively Commander in this house. That's not true. We play mostly Commander in I this house. I don't know what that means, but all right. I know. I'm going to know what that means, You everybody. will. You will soon. I'm proud of myself already. Yeah. There we go. Um, I, is there anything else you want to talk about? This has been really fun. I don't know. I mean, I guess if we're going to come back, we should save... Save something for him the next time. I'm kidding. Yeah. I have nothing else left. Well, um, <laughs> I mean, just you and I, we have been talking a whole bunch um, lately, and we have some really big plans for us. Yeah. So um, when those plans come to fruition, then we will definitely come back together on the podcast and tell everyone all about all our awesome adventures that we're, we're planning and putting together. Yes. I think it'll be really fun. And I think people will really want to hear what we have to say. I hope so. Yeah. They're they're really they're cool ideas, everybody. I can't <laughs> wait to share. Um, so yeah, this has been great. I feel like we could talk all night. We'll probably turn off the pod and then keep chatting. Yeah. <laughs> I have I have a feeling that this will spiral into something that no one will want to listen to. And... You live with me, so you're kinda of stuck with me. You have to talk to me. That's true. Yeah. 
Um, but thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Finally, what are we like three years in? You're finally on the podcast. Um, this has been awesome. So um, I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. And if you would like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter, Steam at Steam Up the CLSRM. Um, my website, SteamUpTheClassroom.com. Um, and my Instagram is again Steam Up the Classroom. So, Mitch, you're not really on social media, so... No. We'll get you there. Yeah, I have a Facebook page. You probably don't want to bother finding me because there's nothing on there. Oh, like, just, like, you? Yeah, it's not interesting either, so... Yeah, that's all right. Follow my wife instead. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, thanks so much, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode.